Friday the 17th of October 2014, Plymouth Township, Wayne County, Michigan. An 11-year-old girl awakes in the night to the feeling of a cold metal object pressed against her throat. As her eyes adjust to the darkness of her bedroom, the situation became clear. She was being attacked. That was when she realized who exactly was on top of her holding the knife, the one she trusted with her life, someone she loved unconditionally, someone with a plan to kill. People say Kid Bundy didn't show any emotion. I showed emotion. The following episode is not suitable for those under the age of 13. Viewer discretion and parental guidance is advised. Before we delve deep into today's case, I'd just like to give a massive thank you to today's sponsor, Clockmaker. If, like me, you are a sucker for an intricate and challenging mystery that's just waiting to be solved, you're going to love Clockmaker. Where, in Clocksville, there is a whole heap of mysteries waiting for you. Clocksville, though, is a Victorian town riddled with mystical mysteries and dark secrets. Due to the actions of the insidious Clockmaker, the residents of the small town have found themselves in a cycle of temporary anomalies illusions and dangerous traps and it's up to you to pour over the tangle of incredible events to ascertain what exactly is going on to break the case you've got to solve match three puzzles to uncover a compelling story unravel the dark secrets hiding in the town and ultimately defeat the villain the confrontation itself with the watchmaker is a serious intellectual challenge in more than 100,500 levels. Though, if you're tired of riddles, the welcoming townsfolk are more than happy to help you relax at fun fairs and holidays because life in Clocksville doesn't stop ticking. Haha, you see what I did there? Thank you, thank you, thank you. The graphics are simply stunning and the detective story gripping, and even if you've no internet, you can still play. And most importantly, you can play Clockmaker for free. And you know that I've managed to sort you a special deal. Use the link at the top of the description or the link in the pinned comments to get yourself 10 free crystals as a little free extra gift from me to you and begin your adventure in Clockmaker today. Thanks again to Clockmaker for making a content like this video possible. And now, Back to the case. Roxana Gabriela Sikorsi, known as Roxy to her friends and family, was born in Poland on the 21st of March 1999. Now, not all too much information is known about Roxy's upbringing in Poland, though we do know that it was one of abuse and trauma. At a very young age, Roxy and two of her younger siblings, a brother and a sister, were surrendered to a Polish orphanage. Upon their arrival at the orphanage, 
it had been immediately clear that they were malnourished and had suffered abuse at the hands of their biological family. At the age of four and a half, Roxy and her two younger siblings were adopted by Lorene and Jeffrey Sikorski from the Polish orphanage, and they subsequently moved to Plymouth Township, Wayne County, Michigan, the United States. Roxy's adoptive family would later describe the horrors the children had been through in Poland. Of note, the kids being beaten by their grandmother, which allegedly triggered Roxy to develop a reactive attachment disorder. Now, according to mayoclinic.org, reactive attachment disorder is a rare but serious condition in which an infant or young child doesn't establish healthy attachments with their parents or caregivers. Reactive attachment disorder may develop if the child's basic needs for comfort, affection, and nurturing aren't met, and loving, caring, stable attachments with others are not established. The symptoms of the disorder typically start in infancy, and may include unexplained withdrawal, fear, sadness, or irritability, sad and listless appearance, not seeking comfort or showing a response when comfort is given, failure to smile, watching others closely but not engaging in social interaction, failure to reach out when picked up, no interest in playing peekaboo or other interactive games, behavioural problems, and failing to seek support or assistance. Roxy's family further stated that Roxy suffered from depression and post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of the childhood abuse she endured. Despite their horrific start in life, the three siblings quickly acclimatised to Michigan life. And by 2014, Roxy had settled in as a ninth grader at Salem High School in Canton, which is just south of Plymouth Township, where she lived. She had a good group of friends and was doing well in her education. She was well liked by her peers and seemed destined for a bright and successful future. But at some point in early 2014, 15-year-old Roxy began to act different. You see, she had met a man by the name of Michael Rivera on Facebook and they had arranged to meet at the local library as he had offered to help tutor her. Now that may all seem very wholesome, until you find out that Michael had told Roxy that he had been 18, even though he was 23. And at some point, allegedly through coercion, Michael, who was 23 years old, began to have sexual relations with 15-year-old Roxy. At least that's how the media describes the relationship. I would use much stronger words. Even if Roxy gave consent under Michigan state law, it still would have been rape. And when Roxy's parents found out about this sexual relationship, they immediately filed a report against Michael with the police. They took Roxy to the local hospital to have a rape test kit conducted, which they provided the results of to the authorities. Despite this, Michael was never arrested in connection to the rape charges, and it appeared that Michael and Roxy continued to see each other, even after getting the police involved. In June of 2014, Roxy ran away from home, and went to stay at Michael's house in Detroit. Thankfully, the police acted swiftly and rescued Roxy from Michael's home and brought her back to the family home. Even at that point, the police didn't arrest the 23-year-old man. Shortly thereafter, Roxy's parents decided to go to the state prosecutor in person and ask for an arrest warrant. It's not clear what the prosecutor told Roxy's parents at that meeting, but what we do know is that a few weeks later they had to call the prosecutor up again and ask yet again for an arrest warrant to be issued against Michael. Now the prosecutor claims that they had actually issued and faxed an arrest warrant for Michael over to the local police in late September or early October of 2014. 
though the police claimed to have not received this fax. Infuriatingly, the authorities actually caught Michael outside Roxy's family home on at least two separate occasions, but again failed to arrest him. We followed the procedures. Uh, we thought this Rivera guy was going to be arrested in the near future, and he never was. Uh, we never got any concrete answers why he was never arrested, other than some finger pointing. Whatever the case, it appeared that Roxy had fallen head over heels for Michael. Her mother would describe the relationship by saying, quote, She just thought this guy loved her and she wanted to do whatever he told her. And she was very vulnerable and she has a mental disorder and she needs help. Roxy's parents tried to minimize any contacts she had with Michael by taking away her phone and keeping her from going on Facebook. Though despite her parents' best efforts, Michael and Roxy still managed to see one another. In fact, the police actually caught Michael and Roxy together again in September of 2014, but let them go, citing that the officers were apparently not aware of the incident that had occurred in July, or the fact that Michael had rape charges filed against him. A senior police officer would later state, quote, It was at 2am, a curfew violation for her, and I guess you always question why an adult is with a child at time of night. They, the police, didn't feel anything was amiss at that time. Michael, throughout all of this, began hatching a plan. You see, he had become extremely angry at Roxy's parents for filing the rape charges against him. And so he decided that Roxy's parents needed to go. He planned to have them killed. On Friday the 17th of October 2014, 11-year-old Sandy, a fake name we're using to protect her identity, Roxy's little sister, awoke in the middle of the night in a sudden panic. Sandy felt something cold and hard being pressed against her throat as she tried to make out what was going on in the darkness of her bedroom. Her eyes quickly adjusted and she instantly recognised the face that was staring back at her. The face of the person holding a knife to her throat. Her 15-year-old sister, Roxy. A big sister that had stood by her since they moved from the horror they endured in Poland to Michigan. A big sister that had reassured her, told her secrets, held her hand. Roxy, still holding a knife to her little sister's throat, leaned in close and whispered, quote, I love you. She then gently kissed Sandy on the forehead before jumping up and leaving the room. 15-year-old Roxy then, following the directions texted to her by 23-year-old Michael Rivera, went into her 13-year-old brother's room. We'll call him Ryan for the sake of privacy. In just an instant, Roxy began attacking Ryan with the knife, slicing at his neck. Michael had made sure that Roxy would know the exact location to strike. He was telling her to get a knife. He was telling her to make sure it was sharp. He was telling her where to cut. He was telling her to go for the carotid artery. And she's like, I don't even know where that is. And he texts a picture of a carotid artery, anatomy picture, like from a textbook. Ryan began screaming for his life, managing to run into an adjoining bathroom despite sustaining severe wounds to the neck. Quote, she cut me one time, when I tried to shut the door she cut me twice, he would later describe. During the struggle, Ryan managed to shut the bathroom door on Roxy's head. And Sandy, their 11-year-old sister, rushed to Ryan's side and grasped the opportunity to stop the attack. She hit Roxy hard on the back, causing Roxy to drop the knife. Quote, she dropped the knife and my brother got up, the sister testified. They fled downstairs, alerting their parents, she said. I'm a nurse, so I um, took him into the bathroom here and um, gave him first aid, uh, covered up with a towel, got some ice on him. The knife used in the attack was described as a very sharp 
fish knife that was typically kept in a drawer wrapped in paper towels. Roxy and Michael fled the scene of the crime as Roxy's parents called for the emergency services. The Plymouth Township Police were subsequently dispatched to the home where they were met by a scene of horror. Ryan was immediately transported to a local hospital to undergo medical treatment for the multiple stab wounds he had sustained to the neck. He underwent surgery that very night. Investigators were quick to try and figure out where exactly Roxy and Michael had fled to following the attack, determined to catch them and to get answers. Fortunately, they wouldn't have to wait long. In what can only be described as pure stupidity from the point of Michael, they had only fled to his Detroit apartment. The police came knocking the following morning at about 8am, which was actually just a handful of hours after the attack, and they were both brought into custody. Detectives quickly learnt of the text messages exchanged between Roxy and Michael on the night of the attack. The messages were sent using a messaging app called Kick between 12.09am and 12.33am. One message from Michael to Roxy included a diagram of the neck with instructions to cut it, quote, like a tomato, and to make sure that the victims stopped breathing. Though, Roxy told Michael that she couldn't do it alone over these messages and that she needed help. Further texts exchanged revealed a discussion about who exactly would kill Roxy's parents. Michael Rivera was charged on four counts of conspiracy to commit murder, one count of assault with intent to murder, and one count of felonious assault. Roxana Sikorsky was charged as an adult with four counts of conspiracy to commit murder, one count of assault with intent to murder. The fact that Roxy was being charged as an adult was the topic of heavy debates within the court system, Roxy's family, and the general public. Her bond was set at one million US dollars, with an unusual exception being made that allowed her to still have contact with two of her alleged victims, her parents. Her mum would later state, quote, We have a very strong bond with our daughter. We'd like to be supportive at this time, and I think it's important that we do have contact with her. Contact with her siblings, though, was prohibited. Fortunately, her brother Ryan, after spending time hospitalised, survived the attack, and soon after returned home to make a full recovery. Roxy's defence attorney argued during a court hearing that Roxy fell into some form of Stockholm Syndrome, a psychological phenomenon in which hostages develop feelings towards their captors spurred by reactive attachment disorder. Her defence theorised that Micah Rivera had persuaded Roxy to kill everybody so that he wouldn't get prosecuted for rape, promising that only then they could be together. It's important to note that Roxy's defence were insistent on not asking for a competency examination to be conducted on Roxy, revealing that Roxy had actually spent some time as an inpatient at a mental health hospital in 2013, the year before, though it must be noted that we were unable to find any concrete sources or any further mentions of this inpatient claim. The defence attorney told the court that Roxy was totally able to understand the charges against her and that she's more than capable of assisting her attorney in her own defence. Roxy's parents maintains that they wanted Roxy to receive medical treatment and not imprisonment. They wanted Roxy to be tried as a juvenile and not as an adult, as she would receive life imprisonment, potentially, if tried as an adult. The district judge took Roxy's age into account and decided to be on the side of caution by allowing a psychiatric examination that was requested by the prosecution to be conducted on Roxy, and further the judge ordered Micah Rivera to undergo examination too. 
The psychological examination of Roxy was subsequently concluded, and her defence and the prosecutors both said they had no objections to Roxy being declared fit to stand trial. Now at this point, both Roxy and Michael were set to be tried together, but with separate juries, though the circuit judge soon decided to try Michael first, and separately from Roxy. As the months dragged on, as it so often does in the legal world, Concerns for Roxy's physical well-being were raised. The defence requested to have her moved from the juvenile detention centre to a residential treatment centre as Roxy, who was four foot seven, had lost significant weight during her time at the detention centre. This request was ultimately denied. In early summer of 2015, the then 24-year-old Micah Rivera was tried on charges of four counts of conspiracy, one count of attempted murder, one count of using a computer to commit a crime, and felonious assault with a dangerous weapon. And on the 23rd of July 2015, the jury found him guilty on all charges. Let's take a look at his sentence hearing. All right, the uh, court has had the opportunity of speaking with both the prosecutor and defense counsel concerning this matter. And uh, what I've indicated to uh, both of them is that the statute under which the defendant uh, was charged and contained within the information is MCL 750.157 alpha, subparagraph A, and it reads as follows. Except as provided in paragraphs B, C, and D, if the commission of the offense prohibited by law is punishable by imprisonment for one year or more, the person convicted under this section shall be punished, and shall is important because it's takes away from the court the discretion of the court, it's mandatory, shall be punished by a penalty equal to that which could be imposed if he had been convicted of committing the crime he conspired to commit. And in the discretion of the court, the court can add penalty of a fine of $10,000. Well, the penalty associated with the crime which he conspired to commit is premeditated murder. Premeditated murder carries with it life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Now, the prosecuting attorney and defense counsel have brought to my attention some uh, case law relative to that uh, statute, um, but the statute itself is very clear. Um, and the sentence that the court's going to impose in regard to the conspiracy to commit is, in fact, life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Mr. Blake, do you wish to say anything further? Um, Judge, only that Mr. Rivera maintains his innocence. He was trying to help um, um, Roxana, not trying to cause um, disharmony and, and mayhem in her family, and, and apologizes to his family for the hardship and grief he's brought upon them. That's it, John. Mr. Rivera, do you wish to say anything further to me? All I want to say is I'm sorry to my family for, for them having to go through this. All right, Mr. Rivera, it is the sense of this court that four-year violation of MCL 750.157 alpha, there's four counts of which, that being conspiracy to commit uh, an illegal act, in this case premeditated murder, which carries with it life imprisonment without the possibility of parole, that you, in fact, be remanded to the Michigan Department of Corrections for a period of your natural life without the possibility of parole. You'll be given 300 days jail credit time. In regard to uh, uh, count number five, assault with intent to commit murder, as well a charge that carries with it potential life imprisonment, it's the sense of this court that you'd be remanded to the Michigan Department of Corrections for a period of 18 years to 30 years. 
Again, you'll be given 300 days jail credit time. In regard to your conviction for assault with a dangerous weapon, felonious assault, a four-year felony, that being a violation of MCL 750.82, it's the sentence of this court that you be remanded to the Michigan Department of Corrections for a period of two years to four years. You'll be given 300 days jail credit time. And then in regard to count six, uh, which is uh, the use of a computer uh, to uh, commit a crime, a violation of MCL 752.7973 Foxtrot, a 20-year felony, uh, that you be remanded to the Michigan Department of Corrections for a period of 12 years to 20 years. You'll be given 300 days jail credit time in regard to that offense. All these charges, all these sentences will run concurrent with each other. Um, you're to undergo DNA testing. You're to undergo a psychological evaluation and treatment while housed in the Michigan Department of Corrections. Now, if I'm contacted by the Michigan Department of Corrections as to whether you should be considered uh, for participation in a special alternative incarceration unit uh, by the Michigan Department of Corrections, I'm going to object to it. Um, because of the a delicate situation involving uh, you uh, having to undergo uh, another trial in regard to this case, as well as the pending case against uh, Ms. Uh, Roxana Sikorsky, the court's not going to make any further comment relative to its imposition of this sentence upon you. Michael, as you saw, showed little to no emotion as he was being sentenced, apologizing to his own family for them having to go through it. The second trial was later set for later on in that year, in 2015, against Michael for third-degree criminal sexual conduct charges, which was to do with his sexual relations with Roxy, who was underage. Now, initially for those charges, Michael entered a guilty plea in exchange for a 15-month sentence, though he actually retracted his plea and demanded a trial, which could potentially see him receive an additional 30 months in prison. Roxy's mother told the media that she just wanted some finality in the case, telling the Detroit Free Press, quote, I just can't believe he had the nerve to do that. They've got overwhelming evidence against him, so I don't know what he's thinking. Michael was ultimately sentenced to two and a half years to 15 years further imprisonment as a result of that trial. Roxy's own trial was set to take place in October of 2015, though it was postponed to February of 2016. Despite a jury trial being scheduled, on the first day of the trial in late February of 2016, Roxy pled guilty to one count of assault with intent to commit murder. The judge accepted this plea and scheduled sentencing for Monday the 28th of March 2016. Six other charges brought against Roxy were actually dropped as a result of this plea. The four conspiracy to commit murder charges, one charge of using a computer to commit a crime, and one charge of felonious assault. Roxana, who was now almost 17 years old, was still being tried as an adult for the crime she committed when she was 15. Her parents opposed the plea deal, stating they wanted a jury to decide whether Roxy was guilty while maintaining her right to appeal. Roxy's mother would express to the media, quote, she would have been better off in Poland. We thought we would give her things that she would never have been able to get in Poland. Roxy was facing up to 20 years imprisonment, and on the 28th of March 2016, her sentence hearing commenced. Let's take a look. Ma'am, state your name for us. Florine Sikorsky. And you are the... I am the mother of Roxana Sikorsky, correct. And uh, what do you wish to say to me in regard to how this uh, situation is 
impacted your family? Your Honor, I have a statement I'd like to read. Go ahead. Uh, to the court, I am writing this to the court regarding sentencing of my daughter, Roxana Sikorsky. This past year and a half have been the most stressful and painful time for myself and my family. We desire closure of this matter, but also re reason in its conclusion. Roxy was misled and used by an older adult. This has been proven in court. However, nothing will benefit this child by sending her to jail. She made some poor choices, which led her to this conviction. She had limited guidance, as my husband and I were not allowed to speak to her while in court. The attorney I had paid to represent her was removed by the court, and a court-appointed attorney who now represents her had her sign a plea deal. I seriously question my daughter's understanding of the plea deal or that she signed with fully informed consent. In addition, I question her present attorney's motives. Roxana is now 17 years old. She will miss her high school prom, her graduation, her friends, and her family. She is in desperate need of continued psychological help. She is trying to be positive and not lose hope. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. She is a level three for good behavior at her present facility. She is still fragile and an adult prison would shatter her delicate world. How will sentencing her as an adult help her? Is this justice? My hope is that she would continue school and mature into an independent and caring individual. My son would like her home one day and return to the loving sister she used to be. We miss her and would someday like to return to being a whole family again. I am asking the court for leniency. I love my daughter and would respectively ask for a lesser sentence in a juvenile facility. I would like to apologize to my family for not being the daughter they wished I would be. And I promise that I will get better no matter what happens. And I will see Lucas and Angelica again. I'm sorry. Your Honor, one thing, uh, too, I did not mention, uh, based on her age, um, we would ask that if the court put place in her commitment that she go back to the Calumet Center until she's reached her 18th birthday. Mr. Korsky, it is the uh, sense of this court that four-year violation of MCL 750.83, assault with intent to commit murder, a charge occurs with a potential life imprisonment. 
that you be remanded to the Michigan Department of Corrections, first at the Calumet Center, for a period of 10 years to 20 years. You'll be given 528 days jail credit time. Do the people have a motion in regard to counts 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, and 7? We move to dismiss those counts. Without objection. That motion is granted. The defendants undergo DNA testing. She's undergo psychological evaluation and treatment, as well as psychiatric uh, help, uh, while housed in the Michigan Department of Corrections. Roxy's parents stood by her throughout the legal proceedings and to this day. Following the sentencing, they questioned the police's actions, stating, quote, where were the police? Where was the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office when Rivera was running around my neighborhood for three months? This wouldn't have happened if they had picked him up earlier. It was their incompetence that caused all this. They further still opposed the prosecutor's decision to charge Roxy as an adult, citing her confession being omitted from trial after it was found that she had been too immature to waive her Miranda rights. The prosecutor claimed, quote, the prosecutor had the discretion to look at the facts and the background of the defendant and the very serious nature of the offence to determine that she should be charged as an adult in this matter. With Roxy's defence saying, quote, The problem that we had here is that the juvenile laws in the state of Michigan give the prosecutor tremendous latitude in who they charge. Roxana appeals for a new trial, citing an inadequate defence which saw five hearings being held to determine whether a new trial should be granted. Though, in May of 2017, Roxy decided to withdraw her appeal after deciding she no longer wanted to go forward with it. This case is one that has been truly heartbreaking to cover and one that fortunately saw nobody lose their lives. I'm glad justice was served and Michael Rivera will remain behind bars until the end of his days. And I'm hopeful that Roxy may one day rehabilitate back into society and be reunited with her siblings once more. That's everything that I have for you in today's episode. A big thank you to Clockmaker for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to grab your free crystals using the links below. Hit that subscribe button and that bell icon so you don't miss out on any future true crime videos or true crime live streams, which we do here every Saturday at 10pm UK time, which is 5pm Eastern Standard and 2pm Pacific. And with all that being said, I'll see you in the next case. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.